Hey, Wowzer fans, Mindy and Guy Raz here. And before we start the show... We wanted to address the elephant in the room. <sighs> no, 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 not that elephant. The elephant we're talking about is this coronavirus business, or specifically COVID-19, the disease caused by coronavirus. Now, you've probably been hearing a lot of grown-ups talking about it. And maybe even freaking out about it and buying it toilet paper. So much toilet paper. On the inside, coronavirus looks like a teeny tiny ball with even tinier spikes sticking out of it. Which is why it's called corona. Wait, what? Why? Well, the word corona comes from Latin, where it actually means a crown. Oh, yeah, the coronavirus does kind of look like a little crown. That's right. And a person who catches it might start to feel a, a little sick. A sweaty fever, an itchy cough, and some wheezing that might make it kind of hard to breathe. But for most people who've gotten it, the coronavirus hasn't been a super big deal. And thankfully, there have been very few cases where kids have gotten sick with it. But for people who are a lot older and who already have some health problems, coronavirus can turn into a much bigger deal. But, and this is a big but, there is something that can be done. And Wowzers, that's where we come in. Guy Raz, hand me my cape. Your cape? Yeah, there are a bunch of capes on that roll of toilet paper over there. Go ahead, break one off for yourself, too. You want me to wear a cape made out of toilet paper? Listen, do you want to fight this thing superhero style or not? Uh... Putting on my toilet paper superhero cape. Ooh, I like how it flaps in the breeze. How is toilet paper going to fight the coronavirus? Why does everyone keep asking that? Guy Raz, to fight coronavirus, we're going to have to keep ourselves and each other healthy. And there's a few ways we can do that. First of all, by washing our hands with soap and water while humming the Wow in the World theme song. do 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 uh, sorry. We can also fight coronavirus and other germs by keeping our fingers out of our eyes and our ears and our mouths. In fact, inside all of us lies a secret superpower called Stop Picking Your Noses! Excuse me. Yes, I have a question. Uh, may we still pick our friends' noses? Dennis! Okay, just checking. Sheesh. You might also be hearing the words social distancing a lot. This means that for a while, we might have to limit how close we get to people outside of our family. School might close, adventures and vacations might be postponed, and life might feel a little unusual or even unfair for a little while. I can't even hang out with my best friend Mindy or go inside her gingerbread mansion right now. Yeah, that thing is crawling with germs because I can't stop licking it. Which by the way, is another thing we should not do. Don't lick your doorknobs, even if they're made out of donuts. Well, maybe you can take this time to actually clean it for once. I'll make a note of that. Anywho, all of these precautions are just part of the superhero plan to squash this virus and keep it from spreading to more people. And by doing these things, we're all doing our part to take care of ourselves and each other. And it also makes it easier for the doctors, nurses, and scientists who are working to help the people who are sick. It's not going to be easy, and it's not always going to be fun. But we are all in this together. 
every one of us has an important job to do here. So keep your fingers out of your nose, your germs to yourself, and know that there are lots of grown-ups in this world using special care and science to stop this. Oh, and don't forget, wash your hands. And if you find yourself with some extra time indoors, you can always listen to Wow in the World, and we've even put together a Wow worksheet to help you think like a scientist. Grown-ups, you can download that worksheet for your kids at tinkercast.com slash wowsheet. That's it. Now let's wash our hands and get on with the show. Okay, Reg, it's time to tuck you in for the night. Are you sure you don't want an actual bed, Reggie? I mean, this window ledge of Mindy's gingerbread house seems a little precarious. Oh, no, it's fine, Guy Raz. Reggie always sleeps out here on the ledge. Yeah, all the pigeons are doing it these days. Plus, I reinforced it with honey to make it extra sticky so he won't fall off. Uh, okay. Then I licked up all the honey because it looked so good. Oh. And then I had to barf it all back up on the ledge or it wouldn't be sticky enough to hold him on. What? So now the whole thing is reinforced with sticky honey barf, patent pending, and there's no way that Reggie is going to fall off this ledge in the night. That is disgusting, Mindy. Which brings us to the bedtime portion of this nightly tuck-in. Hey, Guy Razi, you want to listen to the story? I can get you a little blanket to snuggle in next to Reggie. On this honey and vomit-covered ledge? <laughs> Reggie says he'll happily take you under his wing so you don't get sticky. Oh, okay. Uh, thanks, Reg. Now just climb up through the window here and then hold on to Reggie's feathers, okay? Uh, are you sure this is a good idea, Mindy? Yes, of course I'm not sure this is a good idea, Guy Raz. Now jump out the window. What? On to Reggie. Just nuzzle in under his wing over there. Oh, okay. Aww. Now, is everyone cozy? I feel like a baby bird. Okay, now that we're all settled in, I'll begin the bedtime story. It's called The Three Bees by Jonathan Patrick, a postdoctoral researcher at the University of Oxford's Department of Zoology, and Hamish Symington, a graduate student of the University of Cambridge. Wait a minute. The University of Oxford's Department of Zoology is now doing bedtime stories? Well, in a way. <laughs> Let's begin the study. I mean, the story. Once upon a time, in a magical garden greenhouse in the forest, there lived a little family of bees. There was a mama bee. Oh, that's my role. I mean, uh, that, that's me. Wait, I'm, I'm a bee? Uh-huh. And there was a papa bee? Uh, I'm the fairest one of all. Uh, the wrong story. Oh, uh, how about, uh, I'm a big bad dad and I'll blow your house down. Uh, no, you're just the dad. You're the papa bee. 
Oh. Is the Papa Bee a handsome prince, maybe? No! Papa Bee is just a bee! Fine. <clears throat> and finally, there was a baby bee. Oh, that's me! I'm the baby! Wah, wah! Someone changed my diaper! Wah! <laughs> Hang on, hang on, hang on, Mindy. I'm a little concerned that your bedtime story isn't even going to put us to sleep. Shh, just close your eyes and let me continue with the story. <laughs> okay. One sunny spring morning, Mama Bee, Papa Bee, and Baby Bee set off into the forest to find some fresh nectar to eat. Well, come on, let's go. Busy, busy, busy. And also, they needed to run to the bank to cash some checks, get a quick oil change, return something at the mall, and register to vote. Huh? Mindy, do you even know where you're going with the story? Uh, do you know where I'm going with this story? No. Well, then you better keep listening. <sighs> and while the bee family was out running errands, a little golden bumblebee who had been lost in the forest came upon the bee family's garden greenhouse. At last, I'm looking for trouble. Her name was Grandma Bee Force. May the force be with you, Mandy. No, no, no. You're not supposed to know I'm here. I'm just the narrator. Well, sorry, Mandy. My bad. When she got to the greenhouse, she gently knocked three times. Hey! Open up! It's the FBI! <laughs> but there was no answer. Well, huh. So she threw rocks at the double-paned glass windows. Pow! Pow! Anybody home? But there was still no answer. Huh. So, being the resourceful little bee she was, Grandma Bee Force backed up her little bee booty and with all her might came crashing through the roof. the entire glass ceiling of the greenhouse into a million tiny pieces. Now who's gonna clean this mess? Not me. Now as every lady who has ever broken a glass ceiling knows, it can be pretty exhausting. I need to find me a chair. Take a load off. These dogs are tired. Hey, hang on, hang on. So, so sorry to interrupt here, Mindy, but, but I'm having a little trouble with the ethics of this story. I'm not sure I understand. So you're saying that Grandma Beeforce illegally entered a house that didn't even belong to her? Well, would it have made any difference if she had entered through, I don't know, the chimney? Uh... Anywho, it was basically just an accident-ish. I think we might disagree on the definition of accident. Uh, can we just get back to the story now? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> Grandma Bee Force buzzed her way through the house in search of chairs to sit on. Buzz, 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 and lo and behold, she found three of them. One large-sized chair, one medium-sized chair, and one tiny-sized chair. Well, what do we have here? Three-hole chair? Hmm. 
Looks like someone's been living in the lap of luxury. So she got to sitting. Don't mind if I do. The big chair had cup holders in the armrest, but that was too unnecessary. Cup holders? What is this, a movie theater? The tiny chair collapsed beneath the weight of her bee butt. All right, let's see here. Oh, heaven! And that was just too dangerous. That chair tried to kill me! But the medium chair came with its own remote control. Reclined to 180 degrees. Oh, nice. And had a Swedish massage feature, which made it just right. <laughs> After a long and thorough massage, it was time for a nap. Now, where can a bee catch a few Z's around here? Grandma Bee Force buzzed around the greenhouse looking for a place to sleep. She found three beds. A big bed, a medium-sized bed, and a toddler bed with rails on the side. Oh, yay! Okay, hang on again. I'm starting to question whether this story is even true or not. Okay, well, I never said it was... First of all, bees don't sleep in beds, and honestly, they don't sit in chairs either. Bees sleep in or around a hive with the rest of their colony. Mind if I continue? (laughs) The big bed was too hard. What is this, a pile of rocks? The tiny bed was too wet. Oh, what happened here? Sounds like somebody sprung a leak. But the medium-sized bed was made out of a hypoallergenic, temperature-controlled memory foam that precisely adapted to her weight and shape to relieve pressure points and alleviate discomfort. Oh, yeah! In other words, it was just just right. right. Oh, yeah! Three hours later, Grandma Bee Force awoke from her nap I'm awake. And she was hungry for a little bite to eat. What's a bee gotta do to get some grub around this joint? Grandma Bee Forest buzzed all around the house looking for even the smallest morsel of nectar when she came upon three wild, beautiful, vibrant flowers. Oh. A big red flower, a medium-sized yellow flower, and a teeny tiny orange flower that had just bloomed. Well, it looks to me like dinner is served. She sucked all of the nectar out of the big red flower. Mm-mm-mm. The nectar in this flower was 65% sugar and as thick as maple syrup. Oh, that's the heavy stuff. And with her belly full, Grandma Bee Force <laughs> flew out of the house back to her hive, and you'll never believe what happened next. What what happened next, Mindy? To be continued. What? No, you can't leave us with a cliffhanger like that. What did she do when she buzzed back to her hive? Well, she... She what? Well, she, um, she sort of, uh... Just say it! She barfed into a honeypot. What? Uh, she barfed all of the nectar that she just ate into a honeypot. Ah, uh, that is disgusting. 
disgusting. Why? Why would she do that? There are other bees who live in that hive. They eat out of those honey pots. Oh, yeah, I know. That's exactly why she did it, Guy Raz. Huh? Well, I should mention that the nectar she sucked up, it all went into a separate stomach called her crop, or her honey stomach, or as I like to call it, her honey tummy. Patent pending. And she only barfed out of that one. That doesn't make it any less gross. The other bees still have to eat out of that honey pot. Uh, can we get back to the story, please? <sighs> it took her a whopping 30 seconds to barf up all of that thick, sugary, syrupy nectar. The nectar from that big red flower was just too sweet and took too long to barf up. Well, ain't nobody got time for that. In fact, that nectar took so much energy to barf up that Grandma Bee Force needed to find more nectar right away just to regain the energy that she wasted. Guess it's back to work. So she slowly and lethargically buzzed back to the greenhouse. Oh, I feel so slow and lethargic. She then entered through the broken glass ceiling and found the teeny tiny orange flower. Come to Papa. And quickly sucked all of the nectar out of it. This flower was far less sugary than the first, with only 35% sugar. Well, that was easy. She then buzzed back to the hive and barfed it all up into a honey pot in five seconds flat. And as soon as she finished, she exclaimed, Well, that nectar was too not sugary enough. It might as well have barked itself up. So she buzzed back to the greenhouse to suck the nectar out of one last flower. Here goes nothing. The medium-sized yellow flower's nectar clocked in at 50% sugar. Not as thick and sugary as the first nectar, and not as watered down as the second nectar. Mm-mm-mm. When she finished, she buzzed back to the hive. And can you guess what happened next? I know, I know what happened next. She vomited into a honey pot and then invited her sister bees to eat it. I'm sensing a pattern here. Well, first she stopped in to say hello to the queen bee. Your majesty. And then she had to high-five all her sister bees. Sup, ladies? And then she barfed up all the nectar into a honey pot for them to eat. And it took her a perfectly reasonable amount of time to do so. Because this nectar was not too thick and sugary, and it was not too thin and sugarless. It was... I know, I know, it was just right. Exactoritos, Guy Raz. That medium-sized flower was just right. And that's exactly what the authors of this study, I mean, story, found as they were studying the barfing habits of bumblebees. Wait, so this is a true story? Well, let's just say that the barfing parts are based on a true scientific study. See, these two authors are also researchers. I see. Dr. Jonathan Patrick from the University of Oxford's Department of Zoology 
and Hamish Symington from the University of Cambridge and their team wanted to learn more about how bees picked which flowers they wanted to get their nectar from. And from what I understand, Mindy, bees choose their flowers based on their color, the shape of their petals, and most importantly, which flowers have the most sugar. After all, the most sugar would give them the most energy. Right. And on that last note, these researchers had a hunch turned into a hypothesis, which, by the way, is an educated guess, that maybe there was more to the story of this flower selection. That maybe there was another factor at play here. And that answer could only be found in... The bee's vomit! Exactoritos, Guy Raz. You're licking up what I'm barfing out. What? What? I'm talking about bee barf, and specifically how fast a bee can barf up the nectar it eats. Uh, I'm not sure I understand. Okay, so the nectar from different flowers contain different amounts of sugar. And the sweeter the nectar, the more energy for the bee. But, and this is a big but, the sweeter the nectar, the thicker the nectar. And the thicker the nectar, the more energy it requires to suck up and regurgitate. That's just a classy word for barf. So you're saying that bees may not necessarily go for the sweetest flowers? Nope. After inviting a bunch of bees to swarm their lab? Why would they do that? For science! Anything for science. They fed the bees three types of sugary liquid. The one with the most sugar, at 65%, was as thick as molasses. And the one with the least amount of sugar, at 35%, was just super thin and weak in its sweetness. Like when you dump a bunch of water into my morning glass of maple syrup and take away all its power. Anything for health and safety. <laughs> Anywho, the sugary liquid with just a medium amount of sugar turned out to be just right. These researchers discovered that it was super appealing to the bees because they could drink it quickly, barf it up quickly, and it still gave them all the sweet energy they were looking for. So from what you're telling me, Mindy, it sounds like bees are willing to give up a little sugary sweetness if it means keeping their eating and barfing plans on track. You know it, Guy Raz. Nobody wants their day to be held up because it's taking them too long to regurgitate their nectar. I know I don't. And about that barfing? Oh, yeah. Well, as I mentioned in the story, Grandma Beeforce was using her honey tummy to transport nectar back to the hive so that she could barf it into these little wax honey pots for her sisters to eat. Yeah, it's still a little disgusting the second time around. Hear me out, Guy Raz. This is actually a very important part about living in a beehive. See, Grandma Beeforce is a forager bee which means that it's her job to collect all of the nectar for the queen bee and the male drone bees who visit the queen and help her make the babies and the female worker bees who maintain and protect the hive. Ah, and when she brings the nectar to the hive, she barfs it into a honey pot or the honeycomb. Yep, and then a processor bee works like a chef to turn that nectar into honey. Okay, it turns out it's less disgusting 
thing the third time around. I knew you'd come around, Guy Razi. So now that we know that these bumblebees prefer flowers with medium amounts of sugar in their nectar, how can we use this discovery to help the bees and the planet and ourselves? Well, as it turns out, we're all connected. So this research is pretty important. In fact, Dr. Patrick and Mr. Symington are hoping that by learning which plants produce the best nectar for these bees, people like you and me can be sure to plant those types of plants in our gardens. Wow, what's with Reggie? Oh, he wants me to get on with the story already. Now, where did we leave off? I believe it was right after Grandma Bee Force. <laughs> oh, right, okay, back to the story. <clears throat> While Grandma Bee Force was out barfing it up in her hive, the three little bees came home to their greenhouse to discover that someone had broken in by busting through the roof. Papa Bee said, Why, if I had a stinger, I would. And Mama Bee said, And Mama Bee said, That's you, Guy Ross. Oh, yeah, uh, who's going to clean up all of this glass? What's our homeowner's insurance deductible? And Baby Bee said, Someone changed my diaper. Then the three little bees buzzed into their greenhouse. Hey, someone's been buzzing in my easy chair. Someone's been getting a Swedish massage in my chair. And someone's been crushing my chair into a million pieces. Somebody changed my diaper. Then the three bees went into the bedroom that they all shared, despite the fact that it was a large greenhouse with plenty of room for more walls. Ah, someone's been sleeping in my bed of bricks. Someone's been changing the digital sleep settings on my $3,000 Tempertronic mattress. No one's been in my bed, because I peed in it this morning. What? what? It's a defense mechanism. Also, I'm a baby. Wah. Finally, the three bees made their way out to the flower patch to find that someone had been drinking out of their flowers. Oh, that is going too far. That is such a Just then, Grandma Bee Force buzzed back to the greenhouse to find that she had some visitors. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, Mindy. Visitors? She broke into their house, remember? I mean, if anyone's a visitor, it's Grandma Beeforce, and by visitor, I mean intruder. Aha! <coughs> uh. uh-huh, it was her! She was the one what sat in my easy chair. She was the one who programmed my tempertronic bed to think I was a side-sleeping mouth breather. She was the one who smashed my chair into a million pieces with her bumble butt. Wah! You bet your sweet little behinds I did. I also ate all your nectar, and then I barfed it all up. What? No. Now my sisters have been working it into a fine honey all afternoon. So why don't y'all come over to my hive and enjoy some of that sweet barf out of my honey pots? Oh, why, we'd love to. What can we bring? Diapers! Ah, you don't bring diapers to a pot, luck. <coughs> Actually, maybe we should bring diapers. And they all lived happily ever after. 
until a family of three bears found the hive. Uh-oh! The end. Oh, Gairazi? Gairazi, are you asleep? Looks like you're gonna have a sleepover tonight, Reg. Just make sure he doesn't fall off the ledge. Sir Isaac Newton's first law of motion. Wow in the world will be right back. Grown-ups, this message is for you. Support for this podcast and the following message for parents come from Pinna. Pinna is the only audio streaming service that combines original podcasts, music, audiobooks, and more, expertly curated for kids 3 to 12. Engage your kids with entertaining and educational audio content, from comedy to sci-fi and mystery to adventure, all ad-free and screen-free. Pinna is a Parents' Choice Foundation Gold Award winner and KidSafe certified. Visit pinna.fm slash NPR to start your free trial today. The following message comes from our sponsor, Chipotle, whose new queso blanco is made with milk sourced from Wisconsin farmers like Brianna Handel. Running a small farm isn't easy, and Brianna has seen many people leave the industry because of financial challenges. I know so many older generation farms that are still so far in debt, and then they're just passing it on to the next generation and hoping they're going to get out. Well, they probably have to get into debt themselves to get started, and I don't want that for my kids. To learn more about how Chipotle wants to help bridge the economic challenges farmers face, go to chipotle.com farmers. What does it take to really make amends? And how should we navigate our digital spaces? I'm Anoush Samarodi. Each week on NPR's TED Radio Hour, we go on a journey with TED speakers who help us answer some of life's biggest questions. Join us. Listen now. That's it. Back to the show. Hi, thanks for calling Wow in the World. After the beep, get ready to record... Hi, Mindy and Guy Ross. My name is Beckett, and I live in Hartsville, South Carolina. My wow in the world is about the goblin shark. The goblin shark can shoot out its jaw all the way to the end of the snout. Say hi to Reggie and and Dennis for me. Ahoy there. Hi, Mindy and Guy Ross. My name is Ryan. And my name is Jacob, and we live in Wheaton, Illinois. And our wow in the world is that a permanent magnet gets stronger as it gets colder. Say hi to Reggie, <laughs> Grandma G-Force. Get off my leg! And Static Man for us. <laughs> Bye. Hi, Mindy and Guy Raz. My name is Miranda, and I live in New York City. And my wow in the world is that cheetahs can run almost 50 miles an hour. That is because their claws stick out. So they're almost like soccer cleats, which causes them to run that fast. Bye. Love your show. Hi, Guy and Mindy. I'm Naomi. And I'm Jesse. And I'm Russell. We're from from Silver Spring, Maryland. Maryland. My wow of the world is that some dinosaurs have no teeth. My wow is that albatrosses can glide for several hours without flapping their wings once. Love your show. Say Say hi to Reggie for us. (laughs) 
Hi, Mindy and Guy Ross. My name is Stella. I live in Virginia. And my wow in the world is that when a dolphin sleeps, half of its brain stays awake. Bye. Love your show. Hello. My name is Luca. I'm from Brooklyn. My wow in the world is that the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland. Bye. Hi, Mindy and Guy Raz. My name is Natalie. I live in Columbus, Ohio, and my wow in the world is that cotton candy was invented by a dentist in 1897. Bye. Hi, my name is Jadis. And my name is Addison. And my name is Shijin, and we're from Springfield, Missouri. And our wow in the world is that a cockroach can hold its breath for 40 minutes. Isn't that crazy? Grandma G-Force, Dennis, Thomas Fingerling, do you think you could hold your breath that long? 40 minutes? No way. Oh, I definitely can. Let's have a competition. Well, I guess. That's a great idea. All right. On your mark, get set, go! (laughs) Hold on, hold on. I choked on my spit. Start over, start over. No way, dude. Ain't nobody got time for that. End of messages. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for hanging out with us this week on Wow in the World. And to keep the wow rolling, check out this week's scientific conversation starters at our website, wowintheworld.com. And grown-ups, there you can find more info on how your kids can become members of the World Organization of Wowzers, shop our wow shop, upload photos and videos to us, and check dates for our upcoming live events. That's wowintheworld.com. Our show is produced by Jed Anderson. Who provides the bells, whistles, and silly characters. Say hello, Jed. Yellow. Our show is written by me, Guy Raz, and Thomas Van Kalken, who also provides silly characters. Tom? Hello there. Thanks also to Jessica Bodie, Anna Zagorski, Rebecca Caban, Kit Ballinger, and Alex Curley. Meredith Halpern-Ranzer powers the wow at Tinkercast. Our theme song was composed and performed by The Pop-Ups. For more on their three-time Grammy-nominated all-ages music, find them at thepopups.com. And grown-ups, you can follow Wow in the World on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Wow in the World. And our email address is hello at wowintheworld.com. And if you're a kid with a big wow to share with us, Call us at 1-888-7-WOW-WOW for a chance to be featured at the end of the show. Also, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to Wow in the World on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, leave us a few stars, a review, or just tell a friend about the show. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep on wowing. Jinx! and sent to you by NPR. This season, NPR's Invisibilia brings you seven Hail Marys. Stories of people who come up with improbable workarounds to our very desperate problems. I'm Elise Spiegel. And I'm Hannah Rosen. Invisibilia is back. 